This is Live from Los Angeles, welcome to the Dr. Aaron Show. We're all about manifestation, transformation, and breakthroughs. It's time to claim your birthright of prosperity, vitality, and love. So grab your tea or coffee because together we're awakening the world. May you live your truth. Are you somebody that's ready to transform your trauma and transform your life? Well, then this podcast is for you. Are you ready to no longer be reactive in your relationships and become the cause of your life? Are you ready to no longer feel overwhelmed and be calm with total clarity? Are you ready to no longer start and stop projects and completely not know where you're going in life? Then this podcast is for you. If you're ready to end the dysfunction or any codependency, or maybe even addiction, this podcast is for you. We're in a series of trauma podcasts, knowing the truth that the key and the secret to clearing the soul is releasing, neutralizing, and claiming your truth of your life through trauma work, in particular, E4 trauma method. So welcome to the Dr. Aaron podcast. We come together to know the truth, live on spiritual principle and align with universal law. We truly believe that when somebody awakens, they have a gift and message to bring to the world and together we're awakening the world. We come together in community in new thought global and society truly with the intention of bringing truth to the world, the shift, the tribe, the movement. Let's do this thing, you guys. So today I want to talk about the trauma healing journey, the trauma healing journey. So I grew up in the hills of Santa Barbara in somewhat of a pseudo hippie commune. My parents got divorced when I was the age of two, and my mother really had no core principles or any guidance in her life. She was quite lost. My father went off to go find himself and ended up finding another family going off, and we weren't invited to go to the wedding. We grew up, it was a beautiful place. It was up in the hills of Santa Barbara, and in one aspect, it was lovely. I had amazing friends. We'd go out and play barefoot in the street and go off, run off into mother nature. There was no computers or cell phones in the house at that point in time, but there was a lot of emotions in the house. My mother was a bit of a roller coaster. She was very codependent. She'd be in and out of relationship up and down high, like as if she was on a drug when she'd first get in a relationship. And then soon enough, it would spiral down again and she'd be you know, sad, they'd break up and then there'd be a depression and then she'd begin to get normalized again. And then the next relationship would come in. It was in and out, up and down all around. The parents in the community were quite dysfunctional. A lot of them were alcoholic. A lot of them did drugs. A lot of them slept with one another. In fact, there was, it was an interesting childhood because we lived next to Jane Fonda's ranch. Majority of the people over in the community that I lived in did not have much money at all. It was a community called painted cave because there was an actual cave down the street where the Indians, the Chumash Indians resided at one, one point in time. And then next to the other, you know, street down was Jane Fonda's ranch where, you know, Michael Jackson and um, all kinds of famous celebrities, Joe Cocker actually lived on the property. And so we had this very paradoxical um, living. My childhood was really a fascinating childhood. And I had so many big traumas and little traumas over the course of my life. 
I remember my father came to visit us after he had left for some time. And I remember when he left, I was so upset. I would began to get hysterical watching as his car drove off. And I remember in that moment telling myself that love abandons, something's wrong with me, I'm not good enough. And so as I began to go into school and life, I began to question everything. They say that the veil comes over the child's eyes and over their consciousness. The moment that the child believes that they are divided, that they are not in their oneness with the universe and with the mother and father and everything, that they believe a limited belief, a limited identity. So as I began to enter life, none of it ever made sense. My mother said the first day I came home from school, I asked, how old do you need to be quit to quit school? She rolled her eyes. I never understood why we would want to learn the things they were teaching us in school. She said the first day I went into taking ice skating lessons that I came home and I said, I don't want to do it because I can't just skate. They tell me what to do, when to do it. And I never understood the control and trying to fit into the box of other people. And so I began to go into traditional elementary school, which never made sense to me at all. My mom said she went to the parent teacher conference and the teacher said, Erin's really smart. She just doesn't apply herself. When we do math, she wants to do English. When we're doing English, she wants to do something else. And so the point is, is that I never understood life in itself. As I grew up, things got more dysfunctional. As we began to go even into junior high, my mom was at the bar and I began to go hang out on the street, trying drugs, having sex with boys and trying to find myself. At the age of 15, I was uh, date raped and it sent me into a spiral of, of uh, being bulimic from the time I was 17 to 20. And I remember that moment, the moment that I was in that bed with that boy, pushing him off, screaming no. And then there was a moment where I went numb, completely checked out of my body. I decided that life is cruel. I don't want to live and nothing matters. And so in understanding how traumas work, big traumas and little traumas, it's in that moment, that moment of a high, high, high state of a negative state. In that high frequency, that high vibration, that high state where we decide something, a limited belief, a limited identity, a command that impinges upon the neurological system that tells the soldiers of the subconscious mind to act out a lie, a limited belief. And in that moment, I decided I was unlovable, something's wrong with me, and I'm not enough. And so in these big traumas, as it went on, I began to get bulimic. And then I thought I could solve all my problems if I just got married. So I married somebody that I didn't even know, and quite frankly, was not in love with, and vice versa, at the age of 21. And as most of you guys know, I was pregnant, and I ended up having a full-term stillborn at the age of 22. 
I had held it all together enough to get into nursing school. And I was pregnant in a marriage that I was miserable. And I was almost, I think I was three weeks out from giving birth to being full term. And um, I, my baby stopped moving inside of my belly. And I'd read in the book, what to expect when you're expecting that if your baby stops moving inside of you, you should go get it checked out. So I went down to the doctor's hospital. Uh, office at like 5 PM and he was already gone. And the nurse let me in and I told her what was going on. So she went in right away and, uh, said, come on back. We'll do a little ultrasound. And when she put the lube on my belly to do the ultrasound, cause you kind of put the lube on and then you look at the monitor right away. We saw that there was no heartbeat and she looked at me and I looked at her and she said, let me call the doctor. And so I met the doctor over at the regular hospital along with my husband and he did a real ultrasound. He looked at me and said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry, but your baby's died inside of you. You can go home and you can go into natural labor or we can induce you and you can um, go into the hospital and give birth to your baby now. And I thought, what? My baby has died inside of me and now I've got to go into full term labor. I was blown away. I think I was so numb. I had no idea what was going on. Six hours later, I held my dead baby in my arms. And I just remember that moment. I remember looking up at my husband that I had no idea who he was, looking down at my baby and realizing he was gone, but his body was still here. And I remember in that moment, deciding, deciding that something's got to change. I went home that evening without my baby, completely numb. And I woke up in the next, the next morning. And I said, I, I've got to go to the mortician's house to, we, I had to pick out the urn and do some paperwork. And my husband said, I'm not going. So I got in my car that was probably like a $2,000 beat up car. And I drove down to the mortician's house and I brought this bag of clothes because I'd had a bag of clothes that I was going to take to the hospital, you know, thinking that I'd have a normal birth and be able to, you know, take pictures. And there's a bunch of cute little clothes. And I said, I just didn't get the right pictures because they want, they had us bur- um, take pictures of the dead baby of my dead baby bathe our dead baby and go home without the dead baby the day before. And the mortician said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. Let me get you a room ready. And you can take as much time you need to grieve your body. Your baby's been in formaldehyde for 24 hours. So I don't know if you're going to want to take pictures. So I got the room all settled up and I went down to this cold, dark mortician's room with red drapes on the wall. And he closed the door behind me and said, take as much time as you need. And in that moment, time stopped. I dropped the bag of clothes on the ground and I walked towards this hospital bed that was in the middle of this big room with a body on it. And I walked up to the hospital bed with my baby's body on it. And I realized that he was gone, but his his body was here. I sat in that room and I cried and I cried. 
I felt that huge lump in my throat and I felt as alone as anyone could ever feel in their life. And in that moment, I decided that I'm going to figure out what we're doing in our spiritual nature. I realized in that moment that I'm a spiritual being. And so in our life, we have big traumas and little traumas. I know that being date raped or going through, you know, divorce with your parents getting divorced or having a stillborn or being bulimic or being in all dis different dysfunctional things brought me to this work, to this trauma work. And what's fascinating about all of it is as I began to discover the E4 trauma method and began to do all my trauma work and neutralize all those big T traumas. What was birthed out of that was my purpose and calling. Having a stillborn son was the greatest blessing of my life because it actually is what birthed my entire mission and purpose on this planet. It's the reason why I've touched hundreds of thousands of lives. Being in dysfunctional relationships and codependent relationships is what birthed me to the greatest self-love ever. And so I recognize that through this, that whether you have little T traumas or big T traumas, it's a fascinating thing. So as I began to work with clients and began to train people in the E4 trauma method, there's some big revelations I've had around trauma. One is that children, actually the veil of life comes on in the moment that they decide that they are separate, that they are not one with the cosmos. They're not one with their parents. They become somebody that identity is individualized through a traumatic incident, through an upset, even as young as generally between two and four years old, they have something that begins, it slowly takes off the veil even before them. I've also noticed that what happens is as I'm working with soul-based entrepreneurs, that their purpose, they come to me kind of with some kind of a purpose, a spiritual calling, but it isn't until they go in and do their big traumas that they begin to birth their purpose, their deep, deep, deep purpose of what they're here to do. Another big takeaway that I've had is actually it is in the little traumas, the little traumas where things begin to also become really interesting, where their past life regressions actually begin to have greater meaning to why they have their certain core values, why they care about certain things. And so I know that the trauma healing journey is a magnificent one. The trauma healing journey can be very fast if people throw themselves into doing their trauma work. It can be drawn out in a lifelong process. What I found for myself and for others is that we want instant results. We want to go into three sessions and be done, call it a day and be all good. Trust me, I have plenty of friends and family that think they've done their inner work with a few sessions. The trauma healing journey is one that we have to understand that our entire spiritual track, our entire DNA has been traumatized and all the limited identities, all the reactions, everything is out of trauma. 
For example, I remember being very, very scared of snakes. And one time going into a traumatic incident, I began to realize that I was afraid of snakes because, you know, there had been traumatic incidences in past lives around snakes. Because I'd ask myself, why was I afraid of snakes? I had never been bit by a snake. Sure, they seem scary, but why would I have such fear over something that I didn't even ever have a true relationship with? And I realized it came down to traumas in my past life. And so as I began to heal, what happened was miraculous. I began to go into sessions in E4 and began to um, become somebody that was unrecognizable. Before the trauma work, what would happen is I was very reactive. I was reactive in all my relationships. I too, just from you know witnessing my mom and her codependency, was very codependent. I would react. I would send mean texts. I would make people wrong. I would feel like the victim. And as I began to do my trauma work, I began to be more calm. I began to be the, co the cause of my life and see other people's issues and trauma separate from mine. And I began to have more compassion towards everyone. Before my trauma work, I would get very overwhelmed. I would you know, have like anxiety and really feel like something was wrong with me. I'd beat myself up all the time, self-criticize and everything else. And as I began to do my trauma work, I began to have more calm. I was just more calm. I wasn't fearing the unknown. It wasn't something that was bubbling up in my body, you know, as the body keeps the score, right? I began to have more calmness and clarity. Before trauma work, I would start and stop projects. I was very inconsistent. I would have a hard time showing up to something. I would go off my feelings thinking, do I feel like doing this? Instead of realizing that I was the creator of my feelings. I began to be somebody obviously that would show up so much. So for so long now that I am considered a world renowned spiritual leader with the 2020 Walden wisdom award next to Oprah Winfrey, Greg Braden, and Michael Bernard Beckwith. Before trauma work, I was completely dysfunctional. I was totally codependent. I really was a hot mess. That's the truth. And since I've done my trauma work now for some time, I really truly am able to unconditionally love everything and everyone on this planet, knowing that my oneness and being able to set healthy boundaries. And so the point is that we all have little traumas and big traumas. We have things that are, are heart-wrenching that truly upset us the moment that we even think about it could bring us to tears. And we have little traumas, times that we were upset, times that, that we decided that we're never going to trust somebody again, all those things. And what I recognize is that every last trauma is designed for our greatness. As we transform trauma and neutralize it, taking the charge off of it. Trauma minus emotions equals wisdom. And in this also, we have the revelation of our oneness. We have the revelation of that we were the cause of our actual trauma. I may have been date raped, but the actual residual impact was from the meaning that I put around it, the decisions of how I was not lovable, all those things that happen. And I recognize that 
we get to take back off the veil. We get to awaken, have a spiritual awaken and become the people that we truly desire to be the highest version of ourself. And so today, as you go into today, I invite you, I invite you to commit, commit to your own journey of trauma healing, commit to recognizing that anywhere that you feel like you're the effect of life or a victim, or that someone did you wrong or wherever it is, that that is the indicator that, that there's work to be done. If you don't see life as you being the cause of the entire cosmos, then there's more spiritual work to be done. And so in this, I recognize, and I'm so grateful for the E4 trauma method. I'm so grateful to have an actual process and a method for helping people restore their energetic ties on their DNA, restore the truth of who they are and become the version of themselves that they've always desired to be. And so I just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May you take with total love and total certainty, your own trauma healing journey with love and grace and commitment for yourself. It is the greatest work I've ever done on this planet. And I'm so incredibly honored. May you live your truth. You guys have a beautiful divine day.